Hey everybody, this is Eric Krasno and you are listening to the Plus One Podcast. I want to thank everybody for tuning in and all that have been supporting the show in the last eight weeks. Um, it's been a great experience getting to talk to all these amazing people and uh, to get this podcast off the ground. And so we really appreciate the support. So this week has probably been the hardest week that I can remember for so many reasons. And uh, we almost didn't put out a podcast this week, but upon further thought and discussion, I decided that it's important to have a dialogue right now and for us to talk about all these things that are going on. And I'm the first person to admit that I don't really exactly know what to say right now. It's probably a good time for me to listen and absorb some of the information um, that's been handed to me and, you know, listen to my black friends and talk to my white friends um, about what's going on. I absolutely do not think that silence is the answer right now, but I do think it's equally important that we listen and not every single person that has the soapbox to stand on, meaning social media, should be shouting all of their thoughts. I think it's important right now, to, at least for me as a white man in this society, it's important for me to listen. I was especially inspired listening to Obama speak yesterday, and it reminded me of what great leadership can look like. And hearing him challenge mayors and city councils to commit to action and outlining a plan where these people would actually be held responsible for engaging with their communities and working on the reform of this police brutality that's been happening to black people for decades upon decades. He also commended the young people for coming out by the millions um, for their voices to be heard in protest and standing up for what they believed in. I'd like to get into the interview uh, quickly today so you don't just hear me talking about this. But before I do, uh, I'd like to mention that we did not include any ads on today's show. And I urge you to go check out some of the organizations that are supporting the crisis that this country is going through. Um, so I'm going to give you some information on a couple of those. One is called Color of Change. They're designing campaigns to end practices that unfairly hold minorities back and champion solutions that move us all forward. Another organization that I've been supporting is called Campaign Zero. It's a comprehensive platform of research-based policy solutions to end police brutality in America. There's also the Equal Justice Initiative, which works to end mass incarceration, excessive punishment, and racial inequality. And all of these can be found on Obama.org. And there's links right there and information and background on all of these different organizations. So I urge you to go there um, if you're trying to figure out what you can do to help right now. So my guest on the show today is somebody I've been friends with for over 25 years, and we've had a band together for about 22 years called Soul Live. And he and I have traveled almost all over the world together. We've played thousands of gigs together, from driving in the van across the country to tour buses, to planes, uh, to Japan, to Africa, to South America. We've just had so many different experiences together. Um, and when you're in a band with somebody, 
you're on stage maybe 2% of the time and the rest of the time you're in a van or a bus or whatever, a plane, and you're in tight quarters and you're talking for hours and hours on end. And then multiply that times 22 years and you get to know someone pretty well. And whether you like it or not, you're family at that point. In fact, it in certain ways, it goes beyond that because we're also part of this thing, this, this music, and we experience the ups and the downs. And when, we have, when we've made a record that we're really proud of or we're on stage in front of all these people, and uh, I have to say, you know, amongst us, it, it feels like race melts away and that the color of our skin doesn't matter. But then we're traveling through the South and I'm looked at one way and Alan and Neil are looked at another. And I think that that's something that is very poignant because no matter how many black friends you have or whether you're in a band with black people, white people are always treated differently. And there's no real way for us to know the experience of growing up being a black person in this country. That being said, we need to listen and also engage in conversation about this with our white friends, whether we have distant relatives that may say the N-word or make racist remarks. We need to let them know that's not okay. And we need to actually try to change things in the world around us. At least that is one of the steps that we can take. So anyway, that being said, I really just want to get into this with Alan because we have a really great conversation. And one thing I'd like to note, you'll hear Alan tell a story about his father, which I think is very relevant to the times we're in now. Willie Evans was one of the greatest men I ever knew. He was a legendary football player for the Buffalo Bills, the University of Buffalo, the coach at University of Buffalo for many years, was also a huge supporter of music and arts in his community. And I can say firsthand that my career would not have happened without Willie Evans and Soul Live absolutely would not have existed. Sadly, he passed away back in 2017. So I'd like to dedicate this episode to Willie Evans. All right, so let's get into it. He's a phenomenal drummer. He's an amazing engineer, producer. He'll drive all night without flinching. He'll fix any piece of gear you got. He knows the load in of every single venue across the country and can get you there without a map. And I can say personally that I owe a lot to this man right here. Without further ado, I'd like to welcome today's plus one, Mr. Alan Evans. How's the uh, how's the home front right now? Good, man. Good. Just you know, doing. Um, yeah, everyone's good, man. Just hanging and well, you know, it's interesting. It's a Life- it's a weird time, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's kind of funny, man. Like we've been trying to like for a while throughout the whole like pandemic thing, you know, like, you know, you get caught up watching a little bit of news and this and that. But now it's like after a while, I was like, man, I can't we can't do this anymore. But like Kalen and Lila never really like they watch a little bit, but I think they were a little bit more kind of um you know, I mean, they're out of school, so they just didn't want to hear about it. Like, Lila was supposed to go over to Holland. Right. You know, like, so they just didn't want to hear about it because it really affected, you know, whatever. But, man, throughout now all this, man, we've never, like, sat down and, like, watched 
so much news, you know? And like, and the funny thing is, it's also like, it's the first time in my life with them, obviously, you know, stuff goes down, you know, things have happened in the past, you know, police brutality, people, you know, all this kind of thing, you know, but the kids were, they were younger. So I never like, they didn't really, you know, we didn't, they weren't really watching it, you know, but now, man, it's like, I can literally say exactly what's on my mind. Right. Now. Right. You know, right. 19, you know, Lila's about to be 16 in a, in a, in a couple of weeks, man. It's like, yo, I'm just, I'm speaking, I'm saying exactly what's on my mind now, you know? So well, it's, it's, it's crazy that you still have to address things like this in this day and age. I mean, and that's something that blows my mind. Um, but then again, it doesn't. I mean, the fact is when, when Trump was running for office, a lot of us thought, you know, there's, there's a thing is when you're a musician and you live in a city and you're surrounded by, um, you know, many different cultures. Yeah. You don't necessarily know this undercurrent, you know, even as a white dude, you know, I didn't see a ton of racism as a kid or even in my professional life. And I was actually thinking about it in the last few hours since we were talking and I knew we were going to talk that like, it was interesting us being in a band with you, Neil and myself, and we would go into like the South and all of a sudden, cause I know that like you guys had a, obviously a completely different experience growing up. And for me, all of a sudden to be with you guys in those situations and to see what it was like to a certain degree, obviously not knowing what it's like, but to see all of a sudden, to see that racism firsthand. And then fast forward to a couple of years ago, I remember touring through the South and seeing all these Trump signs and people all of a sudden being proud of that fact and not really hiding it, you know, and then it leading up to this now, it's mind blowing that in 2020, this is happening still, you know? Yeah. It, uh, yeah. It is kind of mind blowing. It, it is, man. Uh, you know, the, the, the funny thing, no, nah, there's nothing funny about it, but yeah, I don't know, man. It's uh, I just, now is it now is definitely t- like I was talking with Kalen earlier today was it yesterday and he was like yeah i registered the vote you know what i mean because mm-hmm. i was telling him because when he went to when went off to school to college you know i was like hey man when you get there find somewhere and register to vote you know what i mean it's important you know like and and you know he had baseball going on and this and that but he he didn't do it obviously yeah yeah <laughs> but um but he did he did the other day man you know what i mean and uh so that's the thing it's like I, my i really 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 hope that um people get it together this time man and get out there and vote for real yeah. cuz this clown has got to go because yeah. the thing is man i was thinking you know like if 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 he gets reelected we are seriously going to go it's heading towards i mean you 
I've, I've been talking with people who's like parents and you're, you're seeing people on television speak about this, who were there back in, in the sixties. Yep. And they're like, this is, we're seeing stuff that we have not seen since the sixties. Yeah. Now the thing is what was happening? What was life like back in the early, late fifties, early sixties? You know what I mean? Where people could freely, people would freely, uh, you, you can go back, go on YouTube and, and check out any kind of, uh, you know, news, uh, you know, uh, real from the day and people are just calling we all know what people are calling black people back then you know what i'm saying just freely because that's what we are going back there if we don't get this cat like it's on that level you know what i mean where it's like like you're just people are you're giving the homeboy carte blanche and 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 his followers to yeah to go back there taking it back you know what I mean? And that's that cannot happen, man. Cannot happen. So and I and and, and honestly, I don't think it's going to. And the and the great thing that I'm seeing is like early on early on in the in the in the early days of these protests, in the early days, a week ago. You know what I'm saying? Like I was looking and you see uh, you know, I was commenting to Kim, you know, especially late at night when all the the all the people who are trying to disrupt the, the peaceful protests and undermine the message. And I'd be looking, I'm like, man, look, Kim, like, look at all these people set, setting these fires to do. I was like, I don't see any black people in there. Right. You know, it's just all, right. but so I was kind of, I was going there with it. But the beautiful thing is, man, like the past, especially the past few days, man, I re- dude, I remember 92. I remember, you know, Rodney King. I remember all, you know, and, and all these the 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 uh, protests and the riots, the majority of people that you would see on television in, in these protests and at the riots were black people. Yeah, mostly black people, dude. Man, now, dude, it's man. You see everybody yeah. out, white, black, Hispanic, Asian. I mean, it, everybody is out, man. You know. Everybody, you know, a lot of young people, obviously, but man, people are just fed up, man. People, you know, it's like, come on, man. People are just fed up. They're just fed up, fed up. And it's a, and it's great, man. It's great. I, I really, I'm very hopeful, you know, that things are about to, about to change. Man, it's crazy, man. Like today, you know, when I've seen uh, Pat Robertson come out. And, and and be like, yo, man, you got a homeboy is kind of, you know, dude, that's crazy. That's I mean, dude, when you got some, you know, historically, you know, kind of right wing, far out religious dude, you know, what I'm saying, who's you know, not down with, you know, the, you know anything, you know, what I'm saying that we're about. Yeah. And you probably have him coming out and checking Trump, dude. Right, <laughs> man, right. Come on. Well, that come was on. something, you know. What's interesting right now, as as you know, everybody has a soapbox that they can stand on and they can talk, right? Yeah. Now, uh, yeah. some of that is good and some yeah. of that is bad. And what happens is, you know, and what I've been trying to do is really be as informed as I can before I speak. Or, you know yeah. what I'm saying? And I think a lot of people, including myself, are are quick to jump out and be like this that and the other but you it's it's a delicate subject especially coming at it as a white person even right. though we may have the right intent 
Um, right now, we need to listen a little bit too. You know what yeah. I mean? And and listen to what's happening. And there's a lot of you know people going crazy on on social media. And the problem yeah. is, like you said, there's people infiltrating and twisting things and changing them around. That's why I've been like, okay, am I going to post this? I'm going to. I've just been trying to like say something that's unique to myself. You know what I mean? And one of those things that I've been thinking about is that white people need to check other white people. Because the thing is, like, there's family members, there's friends, there's friends of family or distant people that we're around that might feel comfortable being racist around us, and we can't allow that to happen anymore. You know what I oh, mean? Yeah, and that, that is one positive from this, is that I think white people are starting to call out white people, you know what yes. I mean? And starting mm -hmm. to be like, don't say that, don't use that word, don't treat people this way. Because when people feel emboldened to do that, you know, and they, even when they're hiding in the shadows, the one thing we can say about this is that it's putting, it's shining light on everybody and yeah. what their intentions yeah. are, you know, and actually hearing people, if, you know, if people are racist out there in a weird way, you know, I don't want them out there in the streets doing shit, but at the same time, like you kind of want to know, you know, you want to yeah. know who is, because honestly, once there's a dialogue, mm -hmm. what's their case? They have no case. You know what I yeah. mean? It's like, once you have a dialogue with someone, like, what are they really going to say that they were just right. brought up that way? I mean, that's not an excuse. You know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah. if one, the one thing I can say is right now there's a dialogue happening that mm -hmm. hasn't happened. You know, the problem mm -hmm. is that every time they, that there are protests, we're like, oh, well, hopefully this is going to change something. And the last three or four times or even however many times that change obviously hasn't happened. So, yeah, well, so the thing is, man, well, this, this yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, yeah, you know, you know me. I could go off on, you know, well, go for I, it. I've been paying attention to <laughs> social media and all this kind of yeah. stuff, man. And you know, man, it's like everybody's posting, you know, or you know, using these hashtags or posting this or this and that. And man, yeah, that that's cool. Come talk to me a year from now. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Tell me what you've been doing. You know what I mean? A year in in the year since from now to to then you know what i'm saying like like it's easy to you know like oh post something oh i i you know i was a part of something or i you know i'm making a change no man get the hell out of here man like you know posting a little uh black square or whatever for a day you know that if that makes you feel better then what all right whatever man but you know there's there's a long long road ahead you know what i'm saying and like you know, and we've seen how this, how how these situations have gone down before. I'm again, I'm very hopeful. Like you know, like these these uh, former police officers, you know, or sorry, excuses for police officers have been charged. But we all, but we know that that that's not that's not a, a slam dunk. That's not a you know, oh, they're definitely going to jail. We <laughs> most times they don't. You know what I mean? So then after that, what do you do? You know, what I'm saying there's there's always more work to be done, you know, so, right. um, you know, it's 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 a marathon, man. It right, is a marathon. Right. Well, I saw so, I don't know if you checked it out, but Obama spoke today and, and la he yeah. laid out a little bit more specifically the things that can happen, you know, and that's the yeah. whole thing is we don't have a leader in office that has any sort of plan or any desire 
really no. to fix anything. But hearing Obama speak and, you know, he created this initiative that mayors can can say, OK, we're a part of this thing and they can be checked on it, you know, and, and that, that they're actually working on reform. Um, so, it, you know, it was funny, like it made me really we didn't know how good we had it you know when obama was in office but you know it's it's uh but you know but the thing is man obama is as great as that time was you know it's like that to me that's just the very that's just the tip of the iceberg that was the beginning this honestly man like this is as crazy as things are right now I think it was, it's just, it was, you know, we always say it was meant to be or it was necessary. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's crazy to say that man, but you know, like, you know, just bringing Obama in, having him in the office for eight years. Yeah, it was, it was cool, but it was, that's just, that's just the beginning, man. You know, like, and um, so I, I really think again, this, this having this clown in office was just necessary. No, we we it's it's horrible to say that for me, you know what I mean. But I I really think it it is, man, because um I I again I really think you know just seeing people out, people um of all races and 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 just everybody is is mobilized, man. It is you know it's it's going. We are going to see a big change in November. I, there's no doubt in my mind, man, you know, and, and, and these, and the, these cats are going to try and paint it. They're already trying to paint it. You know what I mean? And look, look at everything that this, this clown is doing is out of desperation, man. You know what I'm saying? Like he, it's not, he's not doing all these crazy things to like, because he feels like, Oh, he's got the election all wrapped up already. He knows, man, he, he's doing the craziest things just to rally together. This, this small and small, small minded base of his, you know what I'm saying? Like he knows, he knows the writing's on the wall, man. Writing's on the wall. So I'm, I'm, I'm not worried about it, man. But with that said, we all have to just keep our foot on the gas though. You know what I mean? So it's, it's, things are going to change, man. They're already changing. It's it's messed up that it has to get to this to motivate the change, but like you said, you know, sometimes yeah. that's what's well, needed, I suppose. Um, yeah, man. Well, dude, it's it, like when we were, when we were driving up to that gig, man, we were listening to Joe Rogan and, um, and Steve-O, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, and yeah, Steve-O yeah. was talking about his whole, and actually we, and, and we, K- Kalen and Kim and I actually listened to that. I, I was like, yo, this thing joint so crazy. But, but the, the, the thing about it is uh, you listen to homeboy's journey and how far down he went. Yeah. 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 You know what I'm saying to like, you know, uh, you know, with his drug and alcohol problems, all this kind of stuff, how dude he hit rock bottom. And, and that's the thing, man, that's, that's where we are headed, man. This is, we are so, we are pretty close to rock bottom right now, man. You know what I mean? And that's what, I think that's what really is going to, what needs to happen to you know to initiate this the change that you know to bring things around man to make us all better as a you know a society as, as a country would you have imagined that we'd be dealing with this like when you were growing up at this point you know what i mean like growing up in buffalo you know you know you have obviously coming from a white mom african-american mm-hmm. dad dealing with yeah. all the things that they dealt with in right. the 60s 
or, you know, and then Mm -hmm. all the way to now, I mean, would you ever have imagined that it would come to this? Like was, or was it prominent in Buffalo when you were a kid? Like, did you run, were, were, did you deal with a lot of racism? Yeah, man. I mean, and Buffalo, man, Buffalo is funny, man. I mean, dude, I was just there and, uh, you know, not too long ago and dealt with some, some stupid racist stuff, man. But, um, Buffalo is a little more, but I mean, Buffalo is not the deep South. You right, know what I'm saying? Right. But it, it, it was there, man. I mean, to be honest, man, like when I mean, growing up, um, I didn't, I, I honestly, the first time I realized that I was black was, was with the help of, uh, a police officer. Right, right, <laughs> I'll just stay right. with, with that. I'm being kind, you know what yeah, I'm saying? Yeah. But, um, and I was young, you know, I was young, but my, my parents never like, they never made a, a big deal about it at all. You know what I mean? They just try to keep everything cool. And we, you know, you know, you remember the, the neighborhood that, you know, yeah, we grew course. up in. Yeah. Very diverse for, you know, for, for the time. But man, it was, it was definitely, it was definitely there, man. And I've, you know, I've had my, gr- growing up in Buffalo, I had my fair share of um, run-ins with, with the police getting pulled over on some bullshit, you know what I mean? And like, um, yeah, man. So it, it, it was definitely there. And the, and the crazy thing about, you know, I, you said like, you know, like my mom's white, dad's black, you know what I'm saying? So the, the crazy thing is I always felt like I was like an undercover agent because, you know, like, you know, the school I went to was, you know, it was a, a school for the gifted and talented, I guess, or whatever. So everybody you know everybody from throughout the city was pretty much pretty much well pretty much well represented at that school you know what i mean and again you know it's very you know everyone's pretty like-minded for the most part but the thing is man and and it so happens to this day man people's like oh man i, I get treated differently by white people as soon as they know that you're half white you know it's like oh well he well he's all right you know he you know he's you know, it's, 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 you know, so I, I would definitely get treated, a, I get treated a little differently because of that, but with that, with that says, you know, I, I felt like I was like a undercover agent in that, you know, just having white family members, obviously, but having, having that in, I'd see, I, I'm able to, I was able to see stuff that a lot of my black friends would never see. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. And then vice versa. You yeah, know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, so I was always yeah. felt like I was like in the middle. I could, you know, but man, yeah. I mean, it's like, <clears throat> dude, like when I was younger, I had, a, I had a, I remember I had a girlfriend, you know how it is when you're like in, in school, you know, like you talk on the phone all the time. So I'd call, hey, Oh, can I speak to, I don't even remember who her name was, but <laughs> say, Oh, and they say, Oh yeah, yeah. She's here. You know, blah, blah, blah. and then dude, the first time I went over her house, <laughs> it was, it was just like, yeah. Oh, dude! No, they ended. It was it. That was it. Really? So, yeah, dude. No, I mean, and the vibe was off, way off, man. And then the next next time after that, I called, and and that was it. You know what I'm saying? Wow. You know? So it was like I didn't I didn't sound like your you know stereotypical black youth. You know right, what I mean? Right. Because and you know whatever like. Yeah. So, it, you know, growing up, man, it was, it was always, always stuff going down. But you're right, man. There's not in my wildest dreams, man, especially like, like I said, I remember 92 is when I graduated from high school. So, you know, before that was like, um, 
Do the Right Thing came out, you know, and there were definitely a lot of great movies that were coming out at the time that, um, you know, that really touched on race relations in the country, you know, like, and, uh, and then I moved to New York, you know, and, and, you know, being on the road, you see, you know, I, I just got, you just get used to it, man. You know what I'm saying? But, um, no, nah, man, not my wildest dreams that I think we'd, we'd be here though. Right. right. No. Not at all. Not did, at all. Did your parents talk to you much about race when you were a kid or was it just kind of they didn't feel the need to? Um, well, as obviously, as we got older, you know, I, I definitely remember having conversations with my father and and uh, uh, and and it's the same conversation you people talk about now, man, how to deal with police, man. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, right, right. That was like that was the biggest thing. And 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 well, there was that and my and and um you know, my father was well, you remember, man. I mean, like he was like very educated, very intellectual person, you know what I'm saying? So he always made sure that, you know, we held ourselves like when we were out in public, man, he was he was like, you know, you you do not act up when you're out, you know what I'm saying? Cause you're you know, you're representing the family, you know what I mean? Like you just obviously you know but then you know i would of course i mess mess around you when you're a teenager whatever you do dumb shit you know but but it was always in the back of my mind you know what i'm saying so but to be cool you know you know there's definitely a line i knew not to cross but i definitely remember conversations with him um especially like when i got my license you know what i'm saying like that was you know huge man um like how to deal with, how to deal with cops, man. You know what I'm saying? Like just, you know, how, you know, how to address them, how to, how you should talk. You know what I mean? It's like, that's just crazy. That's just so crazy that you have to have those conversations with. Right. And that kids. that's the thing that is the, the defining moment. It's like, this is how you yeah. deal with, with cops who are supposed to be protecting you essentially. Yeah, man. Um, I mean, I, you know, that's a, man, it's crazy, man. Like, so so where I live, you know, well, here, a lot of my good friends are actually cops, man, because right. there's just, a, a, for whatever reason, this town, there's just a lot of state troopers and local, you know, PD and this and that. And, and we, we get along great, man. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Even with that, man, like when I'm like driving to the studio or like, I'm, I feel like I'm cool here in Deerfield. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, yeah. Not, you know, I'm not, whatever, man, I'm not about to do any dumb shit because I got some friends who are cops, but I'm just saying, you know, but man, my studio is only 20 minutes away, man. Yeah. And it, that's just crazy, man. I'm 46 years old. And, and uh, I don't remember the last time I actually got pulled over by a, uh, by a cop for anything, but there's just that, that feeling like, dude, it doesn't matter. It, it, it's kind of, I was talking with Neil about this the other day, man, because he was actually standing outside about to go into this store. But he was saying, dude, I know exactly how many cops I just saw, like, drive by. And he was like, dude, who, who else knows that kind of stuff? Why, why, you know what I'm saying? Why would you, why would I, and, and, and why am I get, like, kind of tense when, I, when I'm driving to the studio and I see, like, a cop over there, you know, like, kind of just hanging out? I'm constantly like looking in my back, you know, mirror, you know what I mean? It's like, that's, that's, that's just how it is. That's how it's always been for me, dude. I mean, like I said, from the time, like even before I got my license, you know what I mean? Like always hyper aware of where 
where where if there's police in the area or if you're hanging with some people who are like doing some dumb shit, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's just, you know, it's, it's just, it's, it's crazy, but there's, but, but I'm glad it's crazy. I'm, I'm glad I, I shouldn't say I'm glad I, I feel that way, but there's a, there's an obvious reason, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, you're like, I'd hang and again go, going back to that whole like half white half black thing when I'm hanging out with white friends and you know like oh man I got you know I got some weed out there I got whatever you know like hope I don't get pulled over by the cops you know like like man what yeah. what are you worried about right. what's the what right. literally what's the worst thing that's gonna happen to you okay yeah. you'll probably get arrested and this and this is you know yeah. I'm, now I'm yeah. guess I'm kind of dating myself now because yeah. it's kind of you know now a lot of places <laughs> yeah in a lot of places yeah. it's kind of hard you know but but with but whatever man it's like like what is the worst thing that could happen to you like yeah you'll you'll probably get thrown in jail for like some for something what's the worst thing that could happen to me if I get right. pulled over right. by someone man it's what that's we all know, you know, yeah. we all know. And that's, that's just, that is a crazy thing to think about, man. And, I, and again, I don't think about it a lot. You know what I mean? Like just um, going through life every day, you know what I mean? I'm not like, you know, bugging out on it, but, but that's, that is a reality though, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, we had hoped that that would, not you know sustain into now and beyond but obviously yeah, i mean in, in a lot of cases i don't you know it, some people it's, say it's getting worse you know uh, it's hard to say but it definitely has not gone away that's for sure right, obviously right. not even close but, but um, you know the sad thing for me man is like again been kind of just paying attention to news and watching a lot of these um older a lot of people who are i'm listening to on the news or watching who experienced the 60s be it their politicians or, or newscasters or whatever you know or, or just any kind of intellectuals that they have coming on it's crazy to think man like and how they're they they say well i, I i've seen this before i i know what this is about because i lived through it mm-hmm. dude think about that man that's gonna be us dude right you know what i'm saying like no matter how things pan out if they if they turn out great then cool you know or if not but that's like that's something we are going to be talking about, Kraz. You know, know what I mean? Thirty I years from now, we're going to be like, yeah, we, you know, we lived through. You know, this is something we experienced. This is how life was back then. It's when I, it just that bugs me out, man. That, that just bugs me out. I was, you know, looking at the news. I think a couple of days ago, and it was like side by side, you know, riots and then people in masks and people walking through, and it looked like a sci-fi movie. And I was like, if someone had told us, like, a, even a year ago, that that was all going to be happening right now, and oh, you're not going to leave your house for months, and then there's you're going to leave your house to protest, right? Um, and it's all going to be this crazy combination of things happening at the same time. Um, you know, I, it's probably a result of a lot of different things, how we've treated each other, how we've treated this planet, you know, because the coronavirus is is related to all of that. And then also at what we've been seeing, and again, to look at the silver lining, um, to see how the earth has been healing by us, like slowing down a lot of things. And hopefully eventually as our relations heal, you know, that's the only way to look at it positive are, the, are those those things and um hope hoping that our leadership changes 
Um, it was interesting listening to Obama again, and I know that he wasn't perfect, but listening to someone break down how we can gradually actually do things was so illuminating for me because I was like, wow, I just realized like, that's what a leader supposed to do. And we haven't had that. We've only had someone like creating chaos. Yeah. But, and, and the thing is, I was, I was, I mentioned to Neil, it's, it, and not that I was expecting this to happen, but wow, man, think about how big of a boat, Trump missed right. uh, in this moment. You know what right. I mean? As as much as as as, div- as divisive as, as he's been, and people are like, man, it's like you. He could come out at this moment and say, "Oh, yo, okay, look, just let's chill things out. Really try to, you know, what I'm saying that would have done. It, it's kind of crazy to think that 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 actually would have resonated. Like you yeah. had a chance, man. Know. You know, know, had a chance to like as crazy as you are. You know what I'm saying? Like is, and just miss the boat. It doesn't even, not even, he, he didn't even miss it, man. You know what I'm saying? There's yeah. no, no He's clueless. I don't think he's smart enough, but I yeah, know. I know exactly. I know. He has no desire to even, he, you know, he's not even near near the dock, dude. Yeah, you know what yeah. I'm saying? Like he missed the boat. Miss, missing the boat means you're trying to make it. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> he didn't <laughs> you know even know there was one. Yeah, but, but uh, well, I want to yeah. get into some music shit, but yes. but 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 before we do, there was one last thing because one of and I know this is might be a little bit of an emotional subject, but your dad was one of my favorite people on earth, and I just was so blessed to have known him, and he was part of something that was pretty uh, amazing for its time, and I wanted, if you don't mind, talk about that for like two minutes about. Um, when he when the when his yeah. team uh, was invited to the Tangerine Bowl, right? That yeah, was exactly. Can you tell that exactly. story like real quick? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, so back in in '58, when my father was playing um, college football, he was just like running over people, just that had uh, just killing records, you know, rushing records, and and anyway, they the uh, University of Buffalo was invited to play you know, because of their their record, their winning record that season. Uh, invited to play at the Tangerine Bowl down in Florida, and uh, my father was one of two African American players on the on the football team. So uh, you know they're all psyched to go down, and once uh, the uh, the peop- the powers that be down in Florida said, "Oh yeah, we're excited to have U- University of Buffalo come down and play," but uh, you know, we don't let, uh, black people play down, play down here. So your, your, uh, your two, uh, football players, my father, who was the star, you know, running back on the team said, well, you know, you can come down, but you, they have to stay at home. So, um, so, uh, the team in a meeting with, without my father and Mike Wilson, the other African-American player without them present, they'd, uh, voted to, declined the offer to, to go down. And uh, my father actually found out about it, um, you know, because it was in the newspaper and neighbors, right? <laughs> like he didn't even right. know about the meeting or anything, but, right, right. Um, you know, man, so it, that was, that's just really cool. And, and that team, that squad, man, um, they, they were tight friends for, you know, a lot of them, unfortunately have, have been passing away over the past few years, you know what I mean? But they would, every year they would get together and, 
you know, and uh, hang out. And they were a tight crew, man. They were a tight crew. And that's just like, you know, that they were just, you're talking 1958, man. You know what I'm saying? Like that, they, they were just a, a great example of what could and should be in, in, in this country, you know? Um, and, 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 the, and it's funny you bring that up, man, because I, that was actually, I was thinking about that just the other day. I was like, man, that was 1958, and look at where at where we're at right now, man. It's like, man, yeah, so it's insane. It's insane. Um, yeah, man. But you know, the thing about that is that my father never like I I I learned about the that whole, the whole story years and years later. He never talked about it. He didn't let it um, really define him. You know what I'm saying? Like it was just it was just something something that happened and and he you know i'm sure he he um I, i'm sure it hurt you know for sure you know what i mean but he just he just kept pushing you know what i'm saying kept pushing on man so um yeah it's uh, and he and you know he's somewhat of a legend in buffalo you know also played for the bills and and coached at ub university of buffalo for years and you know yeah, he, no man he um yeah, exactly, man. So that was that's the that's the funny thing, man. It's like Neil and I could, man, we can go anywhere, but like, like people we never even met before. It's like, oh, oh, you, uh, you're Willie Evans' kids. You must right. be, you know. It's like, damn. So yeah, we couldn't mess up. <laughs> yeah, know? yeah. We could not. But okay, yeah. so and then musically, so your dad was also a drummer. Yeah, he was yeah. a drummer. His brother was a drummer. Yeah, and, and then, then his other brother, Irvin, who was my yep. dude. I loved yeah, Irvin. Man. That was my dude. Was yeah. uh, a piano player, but also an arranger. Yep. Um, yeah. So music was in your house from day one. And without a doubt, without yeah. a doubt. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I just don't, I don't remember. I just don't know what life is like without it. You yeah. know, like it's just... Um, yeah, you know, I, I mean, there's photos, of, you know, my mom always, you know, she always said, oh, Al, you start playing drums when you're like nine months old, you know? Yeah. And I, man, I just, I don't know. You know, it's kind of funny, man. You hear people talk about, oh, well, um, yeah, I, I I started playing music because of this or, you know, I, you know, I was like, I just, I don't have any memories of that. It's just, for me, it's just like breathing or walking, you know, it's right, like, right. or talking. So, yeah, man. I've seen those pictures of you where the drumsticks like bigger yeah. than your whole arm. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And uh, but yeah, and you always had the piano in in the living room, and your dad yeah. was your dad was always he was always hipping me to new records too. He knew Ooh. he well there was all, modern jazz quartet was his yeah. his jam. Uh, yep. Lionel Hampton. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm trying to think of some other ones that that we used to listen to up there, but that was his thing. Whenever it was funny, because there'd always be a moment where I'd be like sitting in the living room, and he'd like get me alone, and he'd start playing records yeah. and hipping me to stuff, <laughs> man. But um, so did he? Did he? So the really there was just a drum kit there. Was he? Was he kind of supporting you towards that, or did you just just gravitate? I, dude, I mean to be honest, man, I think um, I mean I just my very early memories i just remember him playing like i i just remember him playing drums you know what i'm saying like just i would just see him like you hear him y'all dad's down in the basement playing you know yeah. what i mean and, and i just remember like i think maybe it was just like just i was just mimicking you just try i was just trying to be like him that's yeah. all it really yeah. it comes down to you know what i'm saying like yeah. I, um 
and uh but i you know he he would i remember he would show me things you know what i mean like my i mean my so dude my earliest memories of, of drum lessons were just it was and I've actually done it with people in the past and it's kind of crazy, but his whole thing was, it was just like riding a bike, teaching a kid how to ride a bike. So he would come up behind me. So I'd be down, this is when I was a little bit older, you know what I mean? Like maybe seven or eight or nine or whatever, but I'd be down there playing and he'd come down and I'd see him standing in, I'd be in the basement and he'd be standing in the doorway there looking. And then he'd get a little closer and he, and he would come behind me. He said, all right. And he would take, you know, one, both uh he would hold both of my um arms you know like kind of grab around near the wrist and he would be playing and i would feel the motion he said you feel that and he's like and then you want to you know he tell me like you want to you know separate your right arm from your left arm you know do you, do you feel that and i would start to feel it and then he let go just wow. like you yeah and then and then i would start to lose the groove and then he yeah, yeah. just grab okay. my arms again you know wow. what i mean so it's just like you get how to ride a bike you know what i'm saying like you just let them go and they start to wobble and you grab them again it's like, okay like you know yeah, until yeah. they you would, you would just you catch the groove you know wow so. okay that's that's very telling that makes perfect sense <laughs> It makes perfect sense. And then how much was, was Irvin around much when you guys were kids or was, cause he was in, he was in New York or Philly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. He was, <laughs> so Irvin, yeah, he, well, when we were younger, Irvin would, he was kind of like a, um, he was, he's definitely a man of mystery. He's kind of funny, man. Him and Neil are so alike dude, yeah, yeah. in many ways, but anyway, so I, we'd have like these parties, you know, and, um, house would be full of cigarette smoke and just listen yeah. to music and, everyone, yeah. and then and then everyone started drinking and then all of a sudden you know uncle junior would be over there uncle wally you know uncle Irvin, my dad and all of a sudden you start and they start arguing about music or something you know because yeah. oh, you know and then all of a sudden like <laughs> Sarah, and then he grabs you know aunt sarah and then they jet and you wouldn't see uncle Irvin for like a couple years you know wow. <laughs> So wow. he, yeah, he was, it was pretty funny. Those dudes were crazy, man. They were crazy. Well, but, I, uh, I just remember looking up and seeing his face sometimes because he was a chill. I mean, he was maybe the oh, chillest. Yeah. He was like the coolest cat I've maybe have ever met. And, yeah, yeah. But I, he would come to the gigs, you know, because he was so happy. Um, and by the way, your dad was, you know, obviously the biggest supporter of soul live, you know, yeah, both your right. parents would yep. come drive miles for the gigs and always support. And, um, you yeah. know, when the band was starting out, that was the, you know, our lifeline was staying at your, your place or at my mom's place, yeah, yeah, exactly. or, you know, we'd be driving around. That was, that was our, uh, our lifeline. It was definitely a family yeah. supported, uh, business, but, Ooh, uh, I but mean, I just remember seeing Irvin's face, you know, sometimes I remember specifically one gig at Irving Plaza and looking up and just seeing his smile up there because he'd be mm -hmm. always chill like, yeah, you all right. You all right. Guys. Exactly. You know? yeah. And then yeah. I'd look up there that and while you all be playing, he wouldn't know I'd see him. He'd be like g getting into it. And I'd be like, oh, he'd be like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know? But yeah, uh, but I loved yeah. I loved when he would come out. And then obviously, you know, your parents would always come out and uh it, yeah, and your household was always full of music and food <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and, and yeah. love, you yeah. know, which was yeah, a, which man. was a beautiful thing for us starting out. I mean, that was we, there's, Actually, no, man, dude, we there's no way we could have 
man, there's no way we could have done it early on without without our parents, dude. Yeah, for real, yeah, man. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, man, like just having that support, man. Like, you know, us being able to be up at the house in Vermont, dude. I mean, come on, man. Like, that was yeah. huge. Yeah, that was no, huge. that was that was the that was the lifeline. Um, yeah. was, was living in the van and then crash. We would drive. What? We would. I remember people would ask me like, and we we would drive from New York City. When we had a that residency at Baby Jupiter, we would drive all the way back to Vermont and then yeah. stay there and then we'd like play in Boston the next day. I mean, you were really dry like you were the ultimate I remember it was hilarious because we'd be driving and you back then, by the way, for the people out there, no Jeep no cell we had like a band phone. There was no like GPS. It was like maps, but you didn't need a map. You knew where everything was. And I remember you also, because you'd been touring since you were, what, 15 or? Yeah. So I came into this. And of course, I'm only, I'm 22, 23 at that time. But you guys were like, had been touring for years. So (laughs) I jumped into the van, like not knowing shit. And you yeah. guys were like, oh, we're, we're, we're driving around the back. Every, and also every, I used to joke about this, every venue we'd pull into, you'd be like, no, the loading's around the back and you got to go to the thing and they got beer up in the front of the thing and then you go over there and like, oh, by the way. And you, like, and you knew everything about all the venues and uh, I would just sit there pretending like I knew what the hell was going on. Yeah, yeah. Hey, man, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but uh, yeah, man, we, we went hard. We went hard. Oh. I, and I think about it now and it's like, there's so many things, you know, with a band starting now, I can't tell if it's, if it's hard. I, th- I think it's harder for a band now, but I don't know. I, I, because there's just so much flooding the world. Um, and like we, you know, we, I mean, we worked our asses off. We toured like crazy, but within a couple of years, we like amassed this, this following and obviously getting signed to blue note was, was a help. But a lot of the, you know, we went out there and built it, um, which I think is harder to do now. Um, it, it's so, but it's so funny because that doesn't seem that long ago, but a lot of the things we were doing are completely gone. Like uh, we used to send these cards out, cards, which, which were dude. which were the shit because they had all our dates on it. And then we started doing records that we loved on them. So we would have one side with like a Youssef exactly. Latif record and a Grant Green record. And so many people for those couple years would be like, oh, I never heard Grant Green and I never heard Youssef Latif. And we all of a sudden found ourselves in this, in this jam band community, which... We didn't really know. I mean, I knew about the Grateful Dead and Fish and whatever, but we this like whatever became the jam band, like we had no idea that we would end up in that. You know, we knew John Schofield and Modesky Martin Wood were doing something and Charlie Hunter and there was like this little world that we thought we'd fit in. Right. But then all of a sudden we're on tour with Dave Matthews band and 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 doing all these other things. And uh Next thing you know, we're essentially like playing for kids that have never heard music like what we're doing, you know? Um, I know. So anyway, it was interesting because I was thinking about that and like people were like, I I mean, I think I was telling Lauren and my wife and and my niece Mm -hmm. about it and and, and my niece is like, what do you? What would you do with the card? And I'd be like, we mailed it, and you went to your mailbox and you took it. And she's like, what? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and so anyway, um, 
But I've got to, okay, this is leading me to something because you were um, like the most technically savvy person, still to this day, are probably the, I call you, if I have a question about anything technical, I call you. Um, and you, you, you built our first website. Yeah, yeah. You used to, you did our design work. Yeah, uh, yeah. You created those cards, right? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And then that leads me to that you engineered our albums, you know, like our yeah. first, our first album, our first couple albums. And, mm-hmm. uh, you, uh, you know, obviously to this day, you know, engineering and, and producing is as much a passion for you as playing. Am I right by right. saying that? But, uh, and, but, and I'm going to switch to you in a second. Cause I got a questions for what? you, but I, I had to give that. Cause a lot of people maybe, maybe don't know that. And, uh, the first album that we did, um, was really supposed to be a jam session yeah, where, exactly. where you guys had played a show in Boston and by, a lot of people don't know this, that you guys originally had a vibraphonist <laughs> in the yeah. band. I only think you guys played like one gig with him and I showed up and I knew them from moon boot lover and lettuce had played shows. A lot of people don't know that Lettuce was around before Soul Live. Before too. Soul Live, that's so right. So Lettuce yeah. was around, and we'd done some shows with Moon Boot Lover, which was your band previous to Soul Live. And yep. um, at this point, uh, you guys had a show in Boston. I showed up, sat in, and mm-hmm. I mean, out of sheer volume, it was like, okay, the vibraphone was playing, and he was great. <laughs> And oh, then Nick, was Nick, Nick was killing it. And then that first tape y'all made was See You Tranquility. And, and uh, yeah. that shit was killing. But uh, I ended up showing up and like he's playing this vibraphone thing. And all of a sudden I'm cranked through an amp like. <laughs> and you guys were like, you know, maybe that works a little. Bit. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but dude. but I had a Strat at the time. And, yeah. and, uh, and um you guys were like, hey, man, you called me and you were like, yep. hey, man, you know, do you guys do what you think about coming in and jamming with him? But like before you could even get off the phone, I was like screeching out my driveway to come <laughs> jam with y'all. But um, you guys had a house in Woodstock and you had yeah. built a studio in the garage. And I yeah. just was on my way up there and I had a couple ideas for tunes that I was like, oh, maybe we'll check those out. I went yep. to a, I can't remember if it happened that day, but I ended up buying uh, a Sebring plywood guitar uh, because I wanted to have a hollow body. And I think I had like a shitty jazz chorus. Or was that yours or mine? You twenty, man. Was yep. that mine or your? I can't yeah, that was yours. So I don't I, know if you borrowed that. Yeah, I don't I know what happened, yours. but I was like, I need to sound jazzy. So yeah. I bought, because at the time I had like a Mesa Boogie and a Strat and it was like not the vibe for this music. So I uh, showed up there and three or four hours later, we had the first album called Get Down. And Alan had engineered it and that he had an eight app machine and a Mackie (laughs) and a few microphones. And we made that record. And I mean, I don't think, I think we were touring within like a week or two. Like we we did that and we just went for it. Well, so that was the thing, man. So Kim had like, she had booked all these, we had all these gigs booked with Nick. Right. You know what I'm saying? And dude, on the way to that show up in Boston at Bad Girls, he told us that he got a gig. He was to, got a gig in a in a pit on Broadway. Right. So right. it was just like, 
damn man like, so we had all these other shows but you know what i'm saying it's like all right well i don't know what we're gonna do now but well that kind of explains it because when i was leaving i was like oh i think that went kind of well and i think like 20 <laughs> minutes into my drive you're like so um are you busy like for the rest of the next uh, decade or can you start tomorrow or how about now <laughs> You got a suit? That was the funniest thing. I, was, I had to go to the Salvation Army and get a suit because I did not have a suit. And you, that was one of the things that we were like, there's one thing that we've been thinking about. And little did I know how important that was going to be, honestly. Um, you know, yeah. I, think, I think the music was the forefront, but I remember specifically playing uh, Baby Jupiter in New York City, which was kind of like where we built the initial oh. following, you know what I mean? Because oh, yeah. we, we oh, play yeah. there every week. And yep. every week it got more and more packed and more and more music people from the city would come. And that was when O'Teal sat in with us for the first time. Um, and right. uh, and we, we would load in, we would load in, you know, because there was a restaurant that would turn into a venue. We would load in. We'd with be like hoodies outside. On. Yeah, waiting. we'd be outside waiting. And when they'd move the tables, we'd come in with yep. our hoodies on, set yep. up all of our own gear. Mm-hmm. Before we had any crew or anything, I mean yep. Kim was probably with us, right? Yeah, yeah. But uh, yep. but we would we would set up everything, and then we'd go into the van, change <laughs> into the suit, and then come strolling in the front door like with suits on, <laughs> exactly. like oh well, someone must have set our stuff up. Oh, oh excuse me, and but that was like that was a vibe, and people were like, oh damn, these dudes have their shit together, you know. Yeah. That was the whole thing. Is like especially in the world that we were in where the bands would be showing up in like whatever the hell they, you know, and we would show up with suits. And like, I really feel like that elevated uh, what we were doing on a lot of levels. You know, people knew to take us seriously. Um, Well, you know, you, well, you know, I stole that from Maceo. Right. Right. It's not the big first time it's ever been done, but no, no, but that was no, but I literally like I, when I was out in San Diego playing with, with, with Carl, before so live we were doing the high sierra music festival right and like you know all day people you know it's just the it's high sierra it's dusty and all that kind of stuff and i just remember maceo was the headliner that night and i was like okay i'm gonna go check maceo i'm standing out in the crowd and people are hula hooping and doing all this kind of shit and then i remember you know and then uh natasha comes up and you know introduces maceo and all them dudes come up and they had like plywood on the on the ground because it was so dusty and muddy and them dudes came up with crisp, crisp white shirts, man, and black suits. And dude, it was just like, it's like one of those moments where like they changed the entire vibe of the festival. Like all of a sudden people were just like, everyone's vibe. They, dude, the wookiest of wookie cats were just <laughs> all of a sudden just like, just their vibe, everyone's vibe changed. Everybody's focus was on them. You couldn't take your eyes off of them. And I was just like, at that moment, I was just like, that's, that's it. You know, like, I didn't really like, you know, like, cause you, you think about like cats and, you know, suits, it was always jazz and this and that, but there was, and then they come out there playing that funk, man. It was just like, there was something about it, man. I just, I just remember the feeling myself in the crowd, what I felt like, what they made me feel like. And it was just like, I want to do that. Cause it just, I don't know, man. But it, but you also know it's like a blessing and a curse though, because yeah. then all of a sudden you know we do that for a few years and then all of a sudden you get tired of wearing suits and it's like man let's go rock these like we'll get some yeah. you know man we change our style yeah, get yeah, some yeah. nice you know some designer t shirts or whatever you know and then people are like man where the suits and right, stuff. Like, it, yeah we're hot 
Yeah. Well, the other thing was when we were like touring like crazy, we would remember that. Oh. Remember that wardrobe case? We had this wardrobe case, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna, just gonna be real with y'all. Like, we did not have a suit for each day of the week. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> exactly. And uh, we, uh, we'd be sweating through those things. And back then, you know, we'd be playing Liddy's little clubs, and it would just be sweaty. So, every maintaining the suits on the road became. Uh, tough but uh but it was it was worth it um and i i appreciate it i mean i i think i also just love like when there's a presentation i don't need i don't need like a pop level presentation to your show but i love when there's like you know i don't want i i don't want the dude i don't want to be if i'm going to a show i don't want to be better dressed than who i'm going to see (laughs) for some reason maybe i'm old school but yeah. you know, it, it is something. There's something to that. Um, no, man, it's just it's just like man. It's just to me. I feel like they that person care. Like they just put a lot of thought and care yeah. into it. Yeah, you know what I mean, it's like it's one thing to go and practice in your bedroom for twelve hours a day. And like, oh, I'm they're amazing. But man, that's that's only part. That's only part of it. You know what I'm saying? Like the musicianship side of it is like, man. You know, someone who really cares about the songs they're writing, like the the whole, just the whole thing, the whole presentation, man. It's like, man, like I, that's what I, I, yeah, I'm with you, man. I'm with yeah. you. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, I wanted to get a little bit into into your production. I mean, I feel like we could tell Soul Live story. We might need to do another episode of just okay. Soul Live stories because there's Hello, so man. many that I can think of um, that are hilarious and and crazy. Um, yes. But I also want to get into a little bit um, of your production and, and your engineering because uh, you never really went to school for it or anything, but it was just something you always did, right? Did you did you start yeah. off with like a four track in your house or like how what um, was your first recording uh situation? My, my first recording situation was my Harmon Cardin TD202 cassette deck. Ah, okay. And, and so and and what really happened is back in the early days of uh well before Moonboot when we were the groove. Yeah. Pete Pete was um kind of shacked up with this with, with this girl and I went over to his her crib one time. We were she was she wasn't there, so Pete and I were just hanging out. And I looked over, and she had the same tape deck, this Harmon Cardin T two hundred two. I was like, and my first thought was, "Yo, man!" So I asked him, "Can I borrow that?" Because I want to try and figure out how I can if I could link them together. I mean, there was so I could kind of make four tracks out of it. I don't know. So I was always like tinkering with stuff, you know. So I grabbed our PA. It's like this little PV board that had like you could use uh, the inserts as direct outs. And, you know, I was just like always just like messing, just messing around. And the thing is, man, like so we I remember one time we we won like a uh, the groove. We won a battle of the bands. And the prize was you get to go record at this uh, studio in Buffalo. It was like a one night session kind of thing. It started at like midnight or something. You know, I was like 14 years old or whatever. But. I remember being in the studio and just like watching, you know, like paying, really paying attention. And, um, and I just remember that the engineer was just like very dismissive, you know, whatever. I was 14 years old, but I had all kinds of questions, you know, on this and that. And, um, and so after that, I was like, it it came out. Okay. I was like, man, I could do a better job than that. You know, me, Kraz, you know, I'm like, you know, I'll, I'll just jump into some shit that I just don't know what I'm doing, you know, but I feel like I can do it, you know, so I'll just, you know, just jump in. And 
and and I just I just started learning, and it's it was just so much fun to like, and you know this man, because um, to to hear yourself, on uh, you know, you record something and then you hear it back, that that excitement, man, is just like that's never gone away for me, and that's what it's really about, you know, like all like the 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 technical side, all that all the things I've learned, you know, and all the gear you buy. That's just like, um, that's just a side effect, I guess, or whatever. Uh, but the, the real thing for me is just that excitement, man, of like recording something and hitting play and hearing it back. And it just moves you, you know what I'm saying? Like, dude, that's what it's all, that's what it's all about for me, you know? So it's like, I guess you just do it long enough. You, you know, you get better at it and you, you know, you make a lot of mistakes and you listen back to a lot of things. You're like, Oh, what was I thinking? And then sometimes you like listen, I, man. Recently, I've like listened back to some stuff that I've recorded. I'm like, how the hell did I do that? That's so dope. Like, I, what was I <laughs> yeah. doing back then? But yeah, you know, you're, yeah. you're like at the time, you're like, oh man, I'm just you're just trying to get through it, you know? Yeah, but, yeah, yeah, man. It's just it's just a it's just been a light. It's literally like a lifelong journey, man. I mean, I started, you know, getting into the recording thing like when I was like 13 or 14, and um. Yeah, man. It's just, I mean, to be honest, man, a lot of stuff that I do, man, like you talk about like the website stuff and design and all that is, man, it's just, um, you know, it's out of necessity. You know what I'm saying? Well, part of it is out of necessity and part of it is just me being a kind of a control freak. You know what I mean? Like, um, and I, you know, not in a bad way, but I just, I just, and uh, well, I guess, and also learning. I just love learning. You know what I mean? Like, it's just like challenges, like learning how to do things, you know? So, um, yeah. Yeah. I remember that. I mean, you know, I have some of those similar traits and I remember, I mean, I've asked you a bazillion questions and learned a lot from you in the studio. And I remember like some of the, you know, working with like Bob Brockman in the early days and some of the other Bob power, um, and, you know, we g- did have a cool opportunity with Soul Live to work with uh, Stuart Lerman, to work with a lot of great engineers and producers and absorb what they did. I tell a lot of people that when they ask me, because, you know, I never obviously never studied it, but I've right. learned from people like you and the other producers and engineers that we've uh, been around. And the key is asking questions. Like people ask me a lot of times, like, what what should I do? And I'm like, ask questions. Like when you're in a studio with someone who knows what they're doing or with a musician that might be further along than you, ask those questions. Mm-hmm. It's it's better to be annoying than than to not know, you know? Exactly, um, exactly. So I think that's a crucial piece to it. And that's the, that's the thing, man. There's no secrets in this. You know I mean? The thing is, I, I mean... It's so funny, man. And no matter what, playing an instrument or, uh, or or on the recording side of it, man, you you know this for a fact, man. People come up after a show and they're asking you about your pedals and your amp and your guitar and all, all what strings you're playing or like or people, you know, ask, you know, what kind of, what do you do? What kind of compressor do you use for this? What, what microphone? Man, I'll tell you anything you want to know. Like, there's no secrets because um, I have, I have what, 30 some years of recording experience, you know, and I'm, again, I'm still learning. You're always learning, but it's the application, just the, the fact that, you know, you're working on a, a, the song that you're working on is 
completely different than the song I'm working on. We could use the same microphone, same mic preamps, all this kind of stuff, but the song is different. The, the people are playing it, so it's going to sound different. So why am I not going to tell you what to do with this microphone in this position? Right. It's going to sound completely like, or like, or this mix technique that I use or whatever. It's going to sound completely different. Yeah, there's no, no way how, that you'll yeah. come up with the same product. Exactly, man. And that, and that's the thing, like, you know, with, with, with guitar, man, it's like, you know, people bug out on, on, on uh, what, what gear you're using or the, uh, this and that. It's like, man, like, I've, you give you like you're a perfect example. You Schofield, a lot of a lot of cats that we know and hang out with. You know what I mean? Like, man, it's like, oh man, give him. I could give you any guitar, Kraz, through any amp, any pedal. Doesn't matter how nice or how messed up they are. It's still gonna sound like you. You know what I'm saying? It's gonna sound like it's gonna sound like Sco. Give O'Teal any bass doesn't matter what it is it's gonna sound like him you know what i'm saying so that's you know so that's what i'm saying the, so exactly so you should always ask questions you know what i'm saying people should always ask questions people should pay attention you know what i mean like if it's something that you want to learn just just ask most and most nine times out of ten everyone's going to be totally open with um offering whatever knowledge they have because it's uh you know you're gonna do whatever you want with it you know like you're you know you're gonna use it's gonna be through your lens through your ears you know like um and that's that's what keeps us moving moving forward completely completely mm -hmm. so in the last year or maybe longer um you started vintage league music which is your yeah. label and um you you're starting to release a bunch of stuff right now right and not yeah. just your own, not just your own records. Um, tell me a little bit about that and the, the concept behind that. Well, I mean, uh, originally like the concept, you know, again, going back to, um, I, I just had like a, a lot of music outside of soul live that of mine, you know, cause you know, when you're writing music, you're like, okay, yeah. man, this definitely isn't a soul live tune. So what yeah. am I going to do with it? So I was like, well, you know, these days it's pretty easy to, you know, put, put out your own music so i'm just gonna I, but with me like rather than just kind of throw it out in the world like i like to be conscious of of um keeping it under a roof or a brand yeah. or whatever yeah. you know yeah. i mean yeah. just a whatever that's just from what we learned just coming up through thing you know kind of what we're doing so yeah i just started vintage league music and and uh, originally, yeah, it was a lot of my own uh, my own music. But the thing is, I never wanted it to be just about me, uh, you know, my own, my music. So, but with that said, though, I, I also didn't want to um, over um, gr grow too fast or try to sp spread myself too thin. I right. guess you know, right. what I'm saying right. so. It's take. I mean, it's kind of funny. So we just hired a um, a social media. Um, guru yeah. for the for the label so anyway she's uh, getting all these asking me these questions she's like, so oh well um how long has the label been together like when did you start it i'm like i don't really know and i look i was like man five years ago that's crazy like oh wow <laughs> you know? okay yeah i know yeah, yeah. exactly dude yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's wild so it's definitely it's been a slow build man you yeah. know and again a lot of learning you know along the way but you know my you know rob my partner over in london He's, you know, cool, you know, and 
been helping out. So it's nice to have somebody else to bounce ideas off of. Yeah, for sure. You know what I'm saying? Because, you know, and again, we have like a couple of publicists, one in the UK, one in the States. Now we have the, our social media person who lives in Chicago. So now I'm starting to feel like, you know, it. what I, one reason why I, we hired her, which is great, is that um, we talked to a few different people and, but she was the first one to say, yeah, I checked out some, some of your posts and this and this and that. And, and there's, you know, you can improve this, or this is kind of like, you should try, you know, I was like, she's the one, right, you know what right, I'm saying? Right. Like, I don't want anyone talking like, oh man, everything you do is great. And this and that. It's like, you know, so now it's just nice to have someone who really knows what they're doing. Um, so and, and I guess my point is, is it's, it's, yeah, it's been a slow build, man. Slow build. And, and I'm cool with that, you know, so. And one of the uh, songs, because you, you sent me a song that I listened to today that I thought was like, just so, it just expressed so many feelings that are like in the air right now. Yeah. Um, so maybe you could just talk a little bit about that. I don't know if it'll be out or not uh when this yeah, airs cool. but but uh, i can talk i can yeah, talk on it though. Yeah, yeah. yeah so so i'm i'm bringing back the crush velvet and the velveteers and and that song so for, so this crush velvet and the velveteers i have um uh you know the band zero seven yeah yeah so i'm kind of that's my uh concept for this album i'm not singing on it i'm just playing you know i'm playing just bass drums and guitar and a little keys but basically just bass drums and guitar and then i have other people come in um but i have sing- i want different voices like lead singers so kim right. dawson she's yeah. singing on the first single that's coming out on uh, early june well we'll just say for now you know because yeah. I don't know when this is going to go up, but, uh, but then brother good love is on the song that I, I, I sent you that yeah. one. Well, I guess I sent you the other one, the other couple. Anyway, he's bad, man. And that's, so that's the thing, man. I, I've been telling people I have this music and I just send it to them and, and I say, write whatever you, whatever you're feeling. Uh, okay. And I, I, I have nothing to do with the lyrics or, you know, like I want everyone involved to be inspired by the music that i'm i'm putting down you know what yeah, i'm saying so, yeah. and, and with that said like i've been sending music around to i hear their voices you know yeah. i hear the people's voice so anyway so kim's on on singing on some songs brother good love is singing on some songs um son sandra williams you know from son and star oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah she's on oh, cool, and then cool. uh and then lyle is oh, singing okay, on cool, cool. Yeah. And yeah. so Brother Goodlove, did he write this? When did he write this, that song? And what is Man, what, what what's the name of the song that I'm talking about? It's uh Uh As Far As We Know. As far as we know. Because I just listened yeah. to it the first time today as Yeah. Um, no, nah, man. I mean, that was probably about um oh, you know what, Chris? He wrote that. That was honestly, that was probably about I cause I sent that to him. Originally it was a, a gonna be a different concept. Um that was probably about six or eight months ago. Oh, okay. Originally. okay. Sounded like it was written today. <laughs> you know? I know. Oh, I yeah. know, man. I yeah. know. Yeah. It's pretty. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's wild, man. It's wild. Um, but yeah, it's, I really dig that tune, man. You know, yeah. it's like strings, you know, and, you know, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of amazing that you can put 
those tracks together and play everything. I, I've been attempting to do that in my studio now. Of course, my drumming is not exactly, uh, it's not Alan Evans, but. Um, yeah, well, my guitar playing isn't, <laughs> so we're, we're balancing we're well, each other out. Cool. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, um, I think I'm going to have to have you back on if you're all right with that, because I feel like we skipped over so much soul live good goodness that we'll get back to. But I wanted to talk to you not only about what's going on right now, but also just about what you've been up to and what you've been doing in the studio. Um, maybe you can just sh- give people a couple spots where they can find you. I know like the Vintage League site and your your socials or whatever, like. Yeah, yeah, no, thanks, man. Um, yeah, I mean the uh, vintageleaguemusic.com is 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 the label, and uh, my uh, recording studio is ironwax.com, and uh, through either of those websites, you can get at my socials and and all that. All that I good know stuff. that. Do you have yeah, release yeah. dates for for uh, some of the music coming up? Uh, well, yeah, actually, the uh, interestingly enough, man, the first Crush Velvet single w- was supposed to come out. Um, well, I'll give you the date, June fifth, yeah, which was is in a few days from when, where we're talking right now. But just because of everything that's going on, we we kind of we're waiting till next week, okay, um, for that. But uh, yeah, man, just on, on the on the website, there's already some really good releases, and 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 we pretty much have throughout the summer we have a release, definitely every uh, couple of weeks, if not uh, at some points, uh, once every Friday, one uh, every Friday. But we try to space them, you know, oh. at least every once every couple of weeks. So yeah, there's some good stuff coming out, man. Actually, you're playing on one cut. Yep. Yep. The, yeah. the, the B-T-A-L-C ALC Big Band. Big band. Yeah, yeah, shit's yeah. killing, yeah. man. It's killing. Yeah, BT yeah, is man. an old friend of ours, an incredible horn player and arranger. Um, well, yo, man, thank you so much for being on the show. And oh, uh, thank you, man. Yeah, I'm, I can't I'm wait till we get doing it, man. I can't wait till we're actually playing in a room together. Uh, hopefully we were actually supposed to be playing in California this weekend, you know, San Francisco and LA, but, uh, you know, once things clear up, soul live, we'll be back. That's right. And, uh, send much love to the family. Yeah, man. You do the same. See you soon, brother. All right, bro. All right, man. I want to thank Alan Edmonds for being on the show today. And right now I'd like to play one of the tracks that we spoke about from his label, Vintage League Music. And this is his project, Crushed Velvet and the Velveteers, featuring Brother Goodlove. The song is called As Far As We Know. As far as we 
Krasno Plus One is hosted by me, Eric Krasno. Executive producers are RJB and Christina Collins. Audio production by Matt Dwyer. Produced by myself and Ben Baruch of 1111 Group. All original music is by me, and most of which are instrumentals from my album, Telescope, under the artist name Kras. This podcast is presented by Osiris Media. 
If you'd like to get in touch with us, email Kraz plus one at Gmail. That's K-R-A-Z-P-L-U-S-O-N-E at gmail.com. Send me some questions. Maybe I'll answer them on air. Send me suggestions of other guests you'd like to hear on the show. Thanks again for tuning in. I'll see you next time. Mm-hmm.